0: InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Relationships between the sexes can sometimes be confusing, especially so between teenagers. At what point does one person's attraction for another turn into stalking behavior? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the story. Roy? Thanks, Chris. We're talking with Dr. Dennis Reedy from the Division of Violence Prevention at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. And he recently led a study that examined the victims of teen stalking and the consequences. Let's start with just the basics. How do you define stalking? Because I understand you used 19 different indicators in your study.
1: Correct. One of the reasons that we undertook this study and took a novel approach to it is because there actually is no clear-cut way to define stalking. There are legal definitions. There are clinical definitions. So there is some general agreement that stalking encompasses a set of various types of behaviors like monitoring and watching and showing up places or making repeated attempts at contact or expressions of affection that are unwanted. The question is, what behaviors are necessary to constitute stalking, and how many times does it have to happen? And we don't have a clear rule on what behaviors have to be there, how many times they have to happen. So there's no clear way to say this is stalking and this is not stalking. And that's part of the problem we run into both in the research and also in the real world when we're trying to define it.
0: I suppose ultimately, if a victim feels as though they're being stalked, then that's the true definition.
1: Potentially, but the problem is that a victim may not feel as though they're being stalked. They may not be afraid of the stalking, and that doesn't necessarily mitigate the danger. It may mitigate the personal psychological consequences. So if you're not afraid of someone that's your stalker, you're less likely to have anxiety, depression, those types of things that might also drive some of our other behaviors we identified in this study, but it doesn't mitigate the potential danger that that stalker represents in terms of violence. Hmm.
0: What percentage of teenagers are the victims of stalking?
1: There's only basically been three studies that have collected data on stalking in youth. This research is a collaboration with the School of Social Work and Wayne State University, And They were the ones who were funded, and they're the ones who actually went and got all the data. And we found that approximately 15% of boys and girls were victims of stalking. So the rates were surprisingly similar for boys and girls.
0: That's quite a surprising outcome because I think the stereotypical image we all have is that it only happens to girls.
1: Correct, especially when we're thinking of stalking in terms of a romantic type of stalking. So potentially some of the reasons that we see these more similar rates in adolescent populations is because stalking isn't just limited to attempts for intimate relationships. There's same-sex stalking that isn't related to intimate relationships. There can still be same-sex stalking that is related to intimate relationships. But the other issue is that when we talk about violence in intimate relationships, we do see that the rates are more similar in terms of perpetration and victimization in the younger populations. And then disparities start to arise as the populations get older and we grow into adulthood.
0: So, in other words, as boys grow into men, they become less likely to be victims of stalking?
1: Yes. As boys grow older, the rates of perpetration tend to be higher for men and victimization higher for women. And we're not exactly sure what would cause that shift, in part because, really, this is some of the first research to look at stalking in youth.
0: Our guest on InfoTrack is Dr. Dennis Reedy from the Division of Violence Prevention at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. Dr. Reedy, perhaps the most important thing in your study is that you found a link to other consequences that result from stalking, some serious things. Tell us about that.
1: Right. So we can't technically say that it's a result of stalking. And in fact, we would never be able to implement a study design that would allow us to say stalking causes something because we couldn't randomly assign someone to be stalked. But what we found is that youth who were victims of stalking were more likely to engage in a number of risk behaviors, including drugs and alcohol and sexual behavior. They were more likely to have symptoms of depression and post-traumatic stress, and more likely to be victims of dating violence. What we're hoping to do moving forward is to look at this longitudinal data and see if we can look at experiences of stalking in 6th grade and ninth grade, if they predict outcomes across four years later, that will allow us to increase our causal speculation that this stalking does contribute to a number of these deleterious outcomes that affect all kinds of health behaviors. So ultimately, what we may want to be looking at is how do we teach healthy relationship courting skills in these young populations so that we prevent a number of adverse health outcomes in early adulthood that could persist well throughout adulthood.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. If someone, perhaps a teenage girl, starts to think she's seeing some possible warning signs, what is your advice there?
1: Because very little research on youth stalking now exists, it's hard for us to say what steps can prevent it. In terms of if a young woman or young man becomes concerned that they may have a stalker, they need to alert parents and school officials and in worst-case scenarios, may even need to involve legal authorities for their own protection.
0: What advice can you offer to parents, perhaps what they should be telling their teenagers in today's world?
1: First of all, I think it's important for them to realize that this does occur. I'm guessing most parents don't think that stalking for their teenage children or even preteen children is an issue. So they need to start having these conversations with their kids, asking them about, have they had any of these experiences And if so, educating their children that these are not normal and healthy ways of dating and attempting to develop relationships, you know, because a number of these youth may not realize that they're being stalked or that these behaviors are unhealthy. So parents being able to just have this conversation with their children and educate them about what a healthy intimate relationship looks like, or even what a healthy non-intimate peer relationship looks like, that in and of itself can be important. And then from there, the parents are able to be advocates for their children if they suspect that there may be some danger. And that means communicating with school officials so they can set up plans to make sure that the potential victim is never in a high-risk situation at school with their stalker. It may involve, again, speaking to legal authorities to get advice on how best to proceed. So my best advice is have conversations about this. Be aware. Don't allow ignorance to foster an unhealthy relationship and potential risk for violence and adverse health outcomes.
0: Dr. Dennis Reedy from the Division of Violence Prevention at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. Thank you very much for joining us today on InfoTrack.
1: Thank you. It's been great to be here.
0: And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.